0: Hi, welcome to episode 37 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. For this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gallo and I will discuss the surprising evolution of exchange rates over the past week, with particular focus on the strange concoction of influences that has led the euro-yen exchange rate to rise by 3%. The title of this episode is... The Euro-Yen rally makes no sense. Hi,
1: I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets.
0: Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we
1: discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities.
0: We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com globalexchanges. Thanks
2: for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries.
1: Okay, Greg, let's mark the date. It's March 22nd, 2022, and cut right to the chase, uh, given the title of this podcast. So despite the fact that Europe is having war on its own soil, and having magnified upside inflation risks, uh, magnified energy security risks, uh, and downside growth risks relative to Japan, we've still seen the euro outperform the yen. And just looking at Simple return metrics, spot euro yen is up 3% since just before the war broke out, and it's up 2.6% in the last week alone. Now, Greg, you've been covering the yen quite a bit in your recent notes and commentary. So what do you think of the quirk?
0: So indeed, yeah, I, I've been writing a fair bit about the yen this month, including an FX Weekly published yesterday. The reason's pretty simple. It's moving. And I've found over my long career as a strategist that I maximize readership if I write about the things that are moving. So while I agree that the uh, euro-yen rally is a quote-unquote quirk, I do have to be fair to the situation and say that this is a yen move, not a euro move. Basically, the yen is falling across the board against everything while the euro is roughly holding still. So that's where the yen is the source of the euro-yen rally.
1: Okay, so I think where you're going with this, Greg, is to point out that euro yen is mechanically following the yen depreciation, but it's not leading the move. Um, So I think in that case, can you talk a bit more about this move lower in the yen in terms of its fundamental drivers?
0: Okay, well, here's the laundry list of reasons for why the yen is weakening, I think. Uh, Number one, Japan is almost completely reliant on foreign energy and the price has gone up a lot. This presumably leaves Japan in a core flows deficit. Number two, the Fed and most other central banks have been hiking and sending all kinds of hawkish signals. But the BOJ will not tighten, as Kuroda emphasized last week. Oh, and uh, he also gave his view that the resulting yen weakness is a good thing. Number three, the yen did not perform very well as a safe haven asset as the Ukraine war launched. It didn't appreciate meaningfully. And uh, with the negative carity, uh, it's basically an insurance policy. If an insurance policy doesn't pay off in a disaster, why keep paying the premiums? Lastly, number four, I, I'll just mention as an aside there is a seasonality to the yen that tends to give it strength in the December to February period and then weakness in the April to May period. Uh, It seems like the market has figured this seasonality out and maybe pushed it ahead by a couple of weeks uh, into mid-March.
1: Greg, I don't want to stray too far off off topic with this one, but I'm intrigued to know why you think the BOJ has, in a sense, given the green light for further yen depreciation. In the short run, surely this is only going to make the problem worse for Japan,
0: right? certainly makes the sticker shock of rising energy prices worse for Japanese consumers and producers. But look, Japan is still way behind the U.S. and even Europe in terms of inflation. The February CPI reading was just plus 0.9% year-over-year for headline or total inflation, and still a negative 1.0% year-over-year for core CPI. Now, Kuroda did admit that Japanese CPI is about to surge and could get above 2% year-over-year in the March data. That's because a big reduction in cell phone charges that happened in February of 2021 will roll out of the year-over-year uh, frame. But look, Japan has had such a long-standing sub-2% inflation for so many years that for Kuroda, I, I don't think he can even fathom a world in which inflation might remain above target for a long time.
1: So Greg, if we park that BOJ specific issue to one side and concentrate on the mechanics of the move in euro yen, we're left asking ourselves, why is the yen the sole conduit for the FX market to price in policy divergence between the Fed and other central banks?
0: So Stephen, if we go back to uh, last two days, so day, day before the FOMC, uh, since that date, we've seen U.S. two-year yields rise about 35 basis points, but I, I wouldn't call that uh, a widening policy divergence—at least not not on many axes. I, I mean, the uh, CAD-denominated two-year swap rate is also up about 35 basis points, and Aussie-denominated two-year rates are up about 30 basis points. So. Look, it seems that markets are just making the assumption that if the Fed starts hiking more aggressively, then many other central banks will follow, just not the BOJ. And the, the other thing uh, in the EM sphere, I would say that normally I would expect this kind of a surge in US interest rates would push you know, like risk-sensitive EM pairs like dollar max higher. But that hasn't been the case because the FX market has gone ahead and assumed that well, if the Fed starts hiking in 50s, uh, Banhico is gonna hike in 50s or do, you know, do whatever to match the cadence of the Fed. So that leaves the yen very lone and isolated. Now, um, let me turn the tables and ask you, if the Fed starts hiking in 50s, will the ECB? And if not, why isn't the FX market jumping on the short Euro trade the same way that it seems to be jumping on the short yen trade?
1: Greg, I think the answer to your first question is that pretty much all the pieces of the puzzle for a demand or economic growth hit in Europe are there. uh, And we can probably imagine that a key driver of that potential hit to growth will be uncomfortably high inflation for even longer. So no, from the perspective of central bank flexibility to focus on re-anchoring inflation expectations, the ECB and, and probably the BOE have less wiggle room for maneuver than the fed that's assuming that the war drags on for a long while Uh, so at this stage i'm pretty confident that the ecb will not be moving at the same pace as the fed under the scenarios where the war drags on well beyond the end of march and many of the sanctions on russia are permanent even in the case of some type of uh, prolonged ceasefire You could potentially make the case that a destabilizing move lower in the Euro from an escalation of the conflict might force the ECB to respond with tighter policy, uh, just purely out of concern for the uh, additive effects of Euro weakness in the current environment. But as the war drags on, the case for emerging downside economic growth risks in Europe strengthens. As for your second question, uh, basically, why aren't investors piling into the short euro dollar trade now? I think this is mainly a function of the event risk uncertainty. We we just don't know if we're going to get the news headline of a clear shift towards the war being over.
0: So if I could uh, summarize what what you're saying, you're saying that euro has headline risk that could make it pop two to three percent higher, while the yen doesn't have that. So- That's why all of the carry trade shorting that we'd normally see in the the basket of negative yielders, and and by that, I mean the yen, the euro, the Swiss franc, the Swedish krona, et cetera, all of that negative energy has been funneled into the yen in this particular episode. Hence, we get a euro-yen rally that isn't based on expectations that Europe's economy will do better than Japan's or really even that the ECB will hike more than the BOJ or anything like that. It's just about European currencies being sidelined from the shorting due to headline risk. So what do you think then about euro yen? What do we do with it here?
1: Greg, I'm 100% with you on the mechanics of the move higher in euro yen. To emphasize, euro yen is not leading the move lower in the yen. It's merely following it. Uh, The answer to your question is that I think you prepare to get short of euro yen on the outlook for the medium term fundamentals. And by that, I'm talking primarily about the more acute downside economic growth risks in Europe if the war carries on, or even if a large portion of the economic sanctions on Russia are permanent. Uh, And I have to stress that the longer that the war carries on for, the more likely those downside growth risks are to materialize.
0: I agree with all of that. Euro-yen is a medium-term sell for sure. I'd almost argue that it, it's even a short-term sell at levels above 132. However, I guess that's a risky trade where euro-yen is still spiking higher and might spike further on either a ceasefire headline or a a war bad news headline that pushes oil back to its highs. There should be time and room to enter the short euro-yen trade after it's clear that the top of the spike has been put in. So maybe it's best to just stand aside for a bit longer.
1: So stand aside for now, but look for opportunities to get short on the view that the move higher in euro-yen doesn't make a lot of fundamental sense. I think that pretty much sums it up. We've probably worn out our welcome with listeners. So let's wrap up episode 37 here, Greg. Uh, And for our listeners who have stuck with us, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges.
1: We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider.
0: This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative.
2: This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation, together BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including without limitation any commodities, securities or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you. To the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified,